Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I chat with Catholics, Protestants, atheists, and agnostics about why the world's not working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many of us secretly struggle with but won't admit. Now, if this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if this is, if you're one of the thousands of listeners that we have across the planet, we're in 25 countries right now. Um, which is awesome and just expanding every single week. Uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for showing up every single week. I appreciate you. The show would not be happening without you listening. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist. And I believe that Christians are all the same in our struggles. We all worship the same God and we all want heaven. And that is more important than the uh, differences in our theology. And this show was created for you, the believer or non-believer who struggles with the question, what on earth am I here for? Right, Teresa? That's what we struggle with. So today that's our right. future guest is Teresa Anderson, and she's the Director of Development at the Salesian Youth Center um, here in Tampa, Florida. And the Salesian Sisters, right? These are nuns, people, nuns, right? There still are nuns on the planet Earth, and they do so much good, and they work specifically with the youth. Um, and their heritage is through St. John Bosco. If you're a Catholic, you know that. And I love their mission statement. It is not enough that you love the young. They must know that they are loved. And that's from St. John Bosco. Uh, Teresa, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in Thank some you. of the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, I will tell you that I started working here. Well, even before I started working here, I was born into the Catholic faith. And not only born into the Catholic faith, but actually I have an aunt that's a Salesian sister. She runs the development office for the Salesian sisters, Sister Mary Rinaldi. And I have a, a great, great, great uncle, Blessed Philip Rinaldi, who is beatified. He's not canonized as of yet. And he, it was incredible to follow in his footsteps growing up and always hearing about him, as well as all the priests and, and sisters, nuns in our family. And I had many of which were at Mary Help of Christians here in Tampa, many great uncles that were priests. I have um, a great uncle who was a priest, um, Father Peter Rinaldi, who was responsible for getting the Holy Shroud opened up, the Holy Shroud of Turin. And he's written many books on the Holy Shroud. He became an expert. And he passed away when I was in high school. I grew up on a beef cattle farm and we were very, we did not have much. We worked the fields to be able to provide. And this was, I was born in 78. So it really was the eighties. And I'd go to public school and everyone would say, hey, do you have cable? Hey, you know, all this stuff. Have you seen these shows? We didn't have cable and we did not have um, even air conditioning in our house. And this is San Antonio, Florida. It was hot. You know, this sounds like, uh, you know, your, your schoolmates, your classmates speaking to you like you're a homeschool kid, right? Absolutely. Like, hey, Absolutely. do you have any friends? Like, do you, get, yeah. do you ever get out much or anything like that? Yeah. Cool, Teresa. So take a minute with, uh, with us and share something personal that very few people in your business life know about you. Well, um, something very personal, I would have to say, that's such a tough question. I have so many things that are personal. But um, I really always looked for signs in my life, signs and ways. It was very, I was very attached to the Catholic faith and grew up at the same mass every, every Sunday morning. We were always at 7.30 mass. But I always felt 
embarrassed that my aunt, Sister Mary, or that my uncles that were priests would come visit me at school. They'd walk in and I was incredibly embarrassed. And I felt mm. so guilty because I loved them very much. Mm. But I was very guilty of, okay, what are what is everyone going to think of me? And nobody ever condoned me for it, but it was very embarrassing to me. And I never told anyone. And I wish that I had talked about it because I think that could have helped my faith. Wow. So, you know, yeah. it's interesting because you share your, your family, like, ancestry in a way. And yeah. it's, you have a lot of holiness Absolutely. in your bloodline. Yeah. Right? A lot of holiness. And, you know, some of that holiness showed up at your school, right? Because yeah. they love you and they care about you. And as right. a little kid, it's normal. We're embarrassed by our parents. We're embarrassed by the adults that we love, right? And you're embarrassed by your, the priest and, and sisters and, and people in yeah. your family that came to visit you. Yeah, and, and yeah, go ahead. It's a very small town, San Antonio, Florida. I don't know if you know much mm. about it, but it's one square mile. I'm related yes. to everyone there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I have I, 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 everywhere. Yeah, so, so I get the context now, right? Yes. It's like everybody knows you and you're like, you feel like all the eyeballs are on you. Absolutely. But meanwhile, like nobody gives a, a bleepity bleep, right? Yeah. Everyone's so worried about themselves and how they look to you and others. You've got it. Looking. So, all right. So let's get down to business here, Teresa. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? Well, I think that there's a lot of, it, to me, it's a very sad world. And I have three young children who I want to grow up knowing their faith and knowing about, you know, that God is there for them, no matter what they decide to do. But looking at the world and it's so broken, it's so, you know, everybody seems against everybody else. Mm. Everyone seems in their own, to be in their own space and not really reaching out to others. And I always tell my kids, it's very important that you guys do something that's going to make you happy and something that's going to make a difference. But you see so much of this anger from people, mm. you know, and that people aren't really interested in going out and making a difference and helping others. I don't know. No, no, no. I think you're, you're nailing it spot on. Yeah. Where do you think that, that anger inside of people comes from? Because you're right. It's prevalent. It's like everywhere. Well, I'll be honest with you, we have many relatives who, growing up in such a large family, um, even having priests and, and nuns in our family and being so close to the faith, we have so many that have left the church that just haven't continued with their religion. And I see so many things in their lives, so many signs that are given to them that they don't even open their eyes to. I believe that we really have to have signs in our lives that we can look at and say, okay, where is the Lord leading me? And mm. so I wonder if a lot of it has to do with that, that they're not following, you know, what is God asking me to do? Mm. I was a former tax accountant. I went to school, I went to a Methodist school, went to Florida Southern in, in Lakeland. And um, I was the first in my family to go to college. Mm. And it was very scary to me. I didn't know much about it. Um, I filled out the paperwork for financial aid and scholarships. And thanks be to God, I was able to go. And I almost felt guilty going there because, oh, it's a Methodist school and growing up in a Catholic family and not knowing much about other faiths and religions, 
I was very worried. Okay, are they going to try to impress their religion on me when I'm Catholic? And they were so open to teaching. I learned more about my faith by going there and taking the history of religion classes than I ever would have, I think, anywhere else. And, you know, from what I ever learned in religious ed and CCD in the 80s and 90s. That is so powerful what you're saying. And I really resonate with it, right? Because I actually experienced God for the first time in my life, in my entire life, about four to five years ago. And it was through my buddies who are Baptist. And they taught me how to um, sit in the chapel, how to quiet my mind and hear the quiet whisper of God and and literally experience relationship and and feel the love of of God the Father. And I had never had that growing up with all the theology. Like I know my faith. I know God. I know of God, but I didn't know him. Not in a real way like you and I chatting right now. And I know so many of our listeners in BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation listening right now, they, they're, they're experiencing that right now. They're like, man, I go to church every single Sunday, but I never have experienced God in a real tangible way in my life. Absolutely. And that's why I feel uh, confused. I, I feel misguided. I feel like I have no purpose. What on earth am I here for? Absolutely. And I think to your point, you're spot on. That's where the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. Yeah. The sadness, sadness, Matthew Kelly, the author says, you know, people walking around living lives of quiet desperation. Right. What shows up for you there? Yeah. So um, if you don't mind me talking a little bit about how I ended up here, I was a tax accountant. I was very happy with my life. I was very happy doing being a tax accountant. And one day I had gotten after six years of being there, I had gotten, um, right after tax season was over and I met my husband there. So we were newly married and he left to go on to another company. And I received, there were two of us that received for our hard work over um, the tax season. We had received tickets to a police athletic league luncheon. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home and saying to my husband, oh my goodness, I have no idea who this guy is. He's going to be the guest speaker. It was Joe Theismann. And Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you know, obviously, Joe Theismann was a Heisman Trophy winner. Mm -hmm. My husband was so excited. You have to get his autograph. You have to just go. And so we went, and he was giving a motivational talk. And he said that morning, if you're not doing something to make a difference, what good is your life? Mm. And I said, you know, what do I do to make a difference? What do I, what is there? I'm happy with my career. I'm doing well. But what in it? Is there, is there something I can do to volunteer somewhere? I went back to my office and I kid you not, two hours later, I get a call from Sister Mary, my aunt, who says, I need your help. And I hadn't talked to her in months just because I was busy with my work and she was busy in New Jersey with hers. I didn't even really know much about what she did. And she says, I said, what do you need? She says, you know, the business community down here, I'm not there. The lady who was in the position before you quit, she said, I need someone. Can you help me find someone? And I said, well, what are you looking for? And so she started talking. I need somebody energetic. I need somebody who loves sisters. I need somebody who can help us. And she said those words, make a difference. Mm. And I said, that's me. And she said, stop it. Get out of here. You, You must be joking. And I said, no, I want to talk to you more about it. 
So after talking to her more about it, I told her what had happened. And I said, I honestly feel like it's my sign. She goes, get out of here. There's no way I can pay you enough. And I said, can you at least have somebody interview me that will interview me not knowing that you're my aunt, but mm. knowing, have them interview me just based on, you know, who I am. And so she did. She set us up with a couple of supporters who had no idea who I was. And needless to say, here I am. Um, the hardest part was talking to my husband and saying, how, listen, we're newly married. This is a lot less money. And he said, if you don't try it, you'll never know. He said, you can always go back to accounting. And it's been 14 years. Wow. Teresa, that's so awesome. I actually got um, chill go right down my spine when you said that, that part of, you know, make a difference and boom, right there, your, your aunt, your si yeah. sister said the exact words. And those are the, those God moments, right? Absolutely. And I think it's very important. And, and BC Nation, listen to what Teresa, you know, shared there. She was not only open to hearing the voice of God, she was looking for it. So the second yeah. the words were spoken, bam, her radar goes, that's it. That's him. He's confirming. Yeah. And how many times, you know, we don't, we're not open. We're not looking for God's will because we're constantly chasing our own. So Teresa, there are, I'm going I'm to shift for a second here. Sure. There are about 30,000 different Christian denominations. You spoke wow. about Methodists. Yeah. I spoke about uh, uh, Baptists. Catholicism, et cetera, right? Why do you think the Christian world is so divided right now? That's a very good question. Um, you know, I have such a hard time with it because I feel like if people would listen to their inner being, if people would, you know, be more accepting of other religions. I have, I have relatives who, who say, hey, you know what? You guys don't believe the right way. And to me, it's, you've got to find your faith. You have to be able to say, this is, this is our faith. And this is, you know, I'm following Jesus. I'm following God. I'm following what he wants in my life. And I don't know if that has a lot to do with why people are so divided. Everyone is more judgmental rather than just living their faith in mm. the way that they think it should be. I love that. And it, oh, man, I can't agree more with you. It's like, rather than, you know, focusing again on the differences, that's how I start the show. It's like, let's look at the commonalities. It's like you love and worship the same God I love and worship. Absolutely. Okay. God had you born into this faith, this denomination. If it's aligned, then pursue it, right? Like right. if that's going to bring you to heaven and you're pursuing holiness and God's will in your life, God bless you. And I have nothing to say about it. It's yes. none of my business, right? And it's like the same thing holds true for here, right? And we don't have to um, make each other wrong right. in order to share. Here's where, here's how I see my faith. Here's how I see truth and God's word. And I could share that with someone without making them wrong in their beliefs, right? And, and I think that's so, so, so important. And, and that's what this podcast is about. This show is about. This is why I started it. Unite um, Christians everywhere. Right. That's, that's what I'm standing Absolutely. for. It's like, there is the only one that wins when you have 30,000 different forms of Christianity. The only one that wins in that divisiveness is the enemy. He's the right. only one that wins in it. We yeah. don't. Right. So I'm standing for a world where we bring it all back yeah. to one body of Christ. Um, so Absolutely. with that, 
Yeah, let's jump into, um, you know, because you covered a lot of your journey there, which I, I really appreciate. And I think it, you painted a great picture. However, I'm going to dig a little deeper. I mentioned earlier, four or five years ago is when I experienced God for the first time in my life in a real tangible way, relation, relational. Describe to us, paint us that picture of when did you experience God, where it wasn't just I knew you knew about God, but you actually knew him, like you fell in love with him. Tell us that story. Well, I will tell you, um, growing up, I was extremely shy. I was the kid who people would look at me and I would cry because I was always fearful that I was upsetting them. And so, and I had so many relatives that would say to me, why do you cry all the time? And then I would cry even harder because I was afraid that I had upset them even more. And so I was always that kid. And, um, you know, being between two boys, it was continuous of, okay, um, who am I going to offend? Who am I upsetting? And I was a very good kid, but it was just me. But I never realized that. And I will be honest, it goes around the Salesians again. My aunt, Sister Mary, as I used to call her, now she's just Sister Mary because she's my boss. But my aunt, Sister Mary, took me two days before, or two days, I had only known about it two days before. She said, do you want to come to camp? And I said, no, I was so shy. And I'm like, no, I didn't want to go anywhere. And she said, come on, I have to know. She said, are you coming with me or not? The camp was in New Jersey, Camp Auxilium. And I said, no, I just can't. And I cried. And she goes, come on, Teresa, you're coming. So my parents scraped by my uncle. I have a, a wonderful uncle who said he had no kids and he's like, you know what, I'm gonna pay her way. So they bought me a ticket right away. I got on the plane with all the sisters from Tampa and we went up to Camp Auxilium. And I got up there and here's me, shy little kid. And we're running around this camp, we're in groups and I was supposed to stay for two weeks. So I stayed for two weeks and I ended up staying the entire summer because I honestly feel that at seven years old, I got to know God. We had such a wonderful, the sisters just so full of joy and we had mass every day, but it was the first time in the world that mass actually meant something to me. And I still remember that at seven years old and I came home saying, I want to become a sister. Mm. I really, want to be a sister and I begged to go each and every year and I went two times I went two summers in a row stayed for the entire summer from beginning of June until mid-August and um just had the best of times just singing worship songs and you know still doing the fun things uh, that kids do of you know roasting marshmallows on the campfire and playing sports games and the sisters out there playing with us you know there was so much about children and then um as i got older uh, you know i would pray and pray about what god was looking for from me and um you know it was such a changing moment in my life and then i had the experience to be able to go to italy my uncle took me with him when i was 15 and it just increased my faith so much more Wow, that is powerful. Yeah. I love it. You had so much good influence around you, right? And so yeah. much holiness in your family, like I said. And and that's God just loving on you as a Absolutely. seven-year-old little girl, right? Yeah. That's powerful. So if you were being 100% transparent right now, Teresa. Yes. 
in what area of your life do you still struggle to trust God? Oh my goodness. Well, I will tell you, um, I had quite the experience four years ago when I had my youngest son, John Paul. And while I, I, if you have a minute for this story, um, my, my middle son, Joseph was born on my 30th birthday and he was, uh, my daughter was so excited. She is two years older than Joseph. And she, when we found out we were pregnant with John Paul, she was eight years, she was seven turning eight. And she prayed and prayed for him to be born on her birthday. And my husband was like, stop it. Everyone gets their own birthday. <laughs> he was very much, very adamant about everyone getting their own birthday. Well, wouldn't you know, the morning she prayed the entire pregnancy. And I said, it's three weeks early. Nothing's going to, you know, I had great pregnancies. The morning of her eighth birthday, my husband found me on the floor. I have zero recollection. Um, I had had suffered an eclampsia seizure, which is my blood pressure had gone through the roof. Hmm. And the cure for it was delivery. By the time he had gotten me to the emergency room, they checked me out and they said, you're back to normal. The cure is delivery. So he was born on her birthday. And wow. so we have two sets of double birthdays. But the, the thing was, was we were kind of hesitating. Okay, what are we going to name him? My husband said, you've named the other two. And, uh, you know, maybe this time is my turn. And so we were still, and I said, look, it's the year of John Paul. We should really name him after St. John Paul because he was being canonized that year. Well, the bathroom my husband found me in when he found me on the floor was our guest bathroom, which is a half bath. And it's really close to our room. Well, he said, I think, you know, after John Paul was born, I said, what do you want to name him? He goes, I think you know what his name needs to be. And I said, what? And he said, think about it. What's on the wall outside that bathroom? It was our apostolic blessing of Pope John Paul. He said, had the door been closed, I never would have been able to get to you. And the thing about an eclampsia seizure, when you have a full on seizure, either the mother or the baby passes. Mm. And so thank, thanks be to God, we, um, you know, both made it through with hardly any issues, except that I have health problems that still linger because of it. I have to take anti-seizure medicine every day. And it's very unfortunate because I still have that lack of trust. Is it going to happen again? You know, I, I have so many signs in my life that everything's okay, it's been four years, but I still have such a hard time trusting. And, you know, I think all the time, okay, I need to let it go because I'm okay. But it's very difficult to trust in the Lord with this issue. And I'm, I'm constantly like, okay, how can my faith become stronger? And knowing that I'm, you know, okay. Why do you think so. you're still holding on to that fear? Um, probably just because it was so scary. And I will tell you, I've had appointments between, um, between many appointments since being on the anti-seizure medicine. And um, I remember even saying, as I was praying the rosary one night, because I had had a, I had a breakthrough seizure, which they only happen during the night if I do have them. And um, I had this breakthrough seizure. And so, and this was about three years in. So about a year ago. 
And I remember praying the rosary because I had to go to the doctor the next day. And I said, Lord, give me a sign. Well, wouldn't you know, I get to the doctor's office and I'm walking in, I'm in the elevator and a priest that I know is behind me in the elevator and says, Teresa, are you, how are you? And I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, here is my sign. And so I don't know what it is that causes me to have that, still have that fear when I shouldn't because I've been given all the signs and, you know, have a beautiful life full of joy. And, you know, I just, I need to find that healing spot in my, in my life, I feel. Wow. Powerful stories there, Teresa. BC yeah. Nation, do you struggle like Teresa with trusting God? What area of your life are you holding back from him right now? What's that area that even though he show, has shown you time and time and over and over again that he's there for you, he's got your back, you still won't let go. You still are relying on yourself. What is that area? It's time right here, right now. You can choose in this moment, on this show, as you're listening, to give it to him to give him that one area you're still holding back in your life. And I promise you, when you give it to him, he will do some really powerful things. And I think that's what scares us most, is that we are made for greatness. And God wants to do something great in our life. And we want to keep playing small. And we know if we give him that last thing that we're holding on to, oh boy, he may just do something wonderful with us. And that scares us. So Teresa, let's wrap this up. Um, what do you say really quickly, what's the number one fear um, about God that really messes, messes with your head sometimes? My number one fear about God that messes with my head sometimes is, I think about death. Death scares me, and I don't understand why with being such, having faith around me, is that I feel like, and it probably has to do with being a kid and always worrying about um you know, people thinking bad of me, that I, I worry and I have that fear of, have I done enough? Is God going to, am I going to get up there and God says, you know, you're not good enough to come to heaven. Mm. You know, it's, it's, that's my fear. Have I done enough in my life, in my vocation to make that difference? Wow. That's powerful. And I know some of our, our audience right now has the exact same fear. <clears throat> Have I done enough? Am I worthy enough? And somehow we connect our worthiness to performance. And I'm here to tell you and to tell uh, BC Nation that God loves you regardless of what you do or don't do. You're just loved, right? Anything that you do with that, that's totally awesome. And it's for your growth and for your benefit, right? It's not for God. And it's yeah. not, he's going to love you more if you hit this, this level of achievement or performance, you know? So maybe that's just something to sit with and, and just let, give it to him. Say, God, I have this need to perform well for you. And, and when I don't feel I am, I feel unworthy of your love. And I know in my head, you love me either way, right? And wow. Just, I've just never give, thought about it that way. That's beautiful. Yeah, just give it, give it to him. I, and, and Teresa, I only can speak that way because I've had the exact same uh, conversation, right? Wow. So <laughs> just so you know. Again, we're all the same in our struggles. That's why I do the show. It's fantastic. Teresa, wrap us up right here. What is the one thing you want the world to know about having a relationship with God? Oh, my goodness. You know what? It's excellent. I am so thankful. And I just wish that more people could 
have the experiences and the signs. It's beautiful to see the signs and the graces that he hands over to us when we ask, when we pray, when we have, you know, when we know that he's there. And, you know, to experience that in my own life so many times is just tremendous. I love it. He's always listening. I love it. Good advice. BC Nation, do you trust God enough? Do you trust your creator enough to expect him to answer your prayer? Like literally to wait with expectation that he will do it. He will be there in your life. He will keep you alive, Teresa. He will protect you, right? Like, can we trust him enough? So, Teresa, we're going to head into my favorite part of the show. I call it the confession round. (laughs) You see what I did there, right? So, uh, there's there's no priest here or anything like that, but I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. I don't know how quick I am, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, about three seconds. I'll keep you on track. Um, Don't overthink it. Just the first thing that comes to you, okay? Are you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. Let's have some fun. Teresa, what's your favorite sound? My favorite sound? Um, sound of music songs. <laughs> Got it. What's your least favorite sound? Um, loud honks. <laughs> Got it. Like car horning. Got it. When yeah. you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A sister. I wanted yeah. to be a Salesian sister. What are you most afraid of? Um, death. Yeah, got that. <laughs> what did you spend way too much time doing during your 20s? Oh, gosh. Worrying. (laughs) I get that. What secret fear do you have about God? Secret fear about God? Um, Just the judgment on me. I get it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That he's there all the time. I didn't see it till I was in my 20s. Yeah, I get that. What's a new habit you want to form? A new habit that I want to form? Mm -hmm. Praying the rosary more. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Um, hollering, hollering a little too much at my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Stop hollering at the kids, Teresa. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Joyful, um, happy most of the time, and um, excited for life. Nice. Pick three words to describe who you are before you experience God. Sad, tearful, and um, always wanting to please. Mm, get that. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Oh, my word. Um, hopefully that I made it helped make a difference in, in other people's lives. Got it. And last question. Teresa, if you could come back to life after you died and perform only one miracle for your family or friends, what would you do for them? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, and this is going to go over three seconds. What would I do for them? Um, I would want to, I, I would want to bring back my great, great, great uncle that's beatified and show him to them. Let them see him in person. Got it. Does that so, count? Does yeah, that count? it's a miracle. You can do whatever you want, girl. <laughs> right? She's like, I'm bringing a visitor from heaven. Like I yeah. Ubered him down. <laughs> Okay. So Teresa, I just want to thank you for joining us today. And we wish you uh, the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, BC Nation, if you want to find Teresa or more about Salesian Sisters, go to salesiansisters.org. That's salesiansisters.org. S-A-L-E-S-I-A-N sisters.org. And again, this, we've been chatting with Teresa Anderson. She's phenomenal. She's a mom. She's 
a holy woman. She's surrounded by holiness and she is given that last piece uh, of her trust back to God. And you can do the same for yourself. BC Nation, imagine if you could find your purpose in the next 30 days. Head over to brokencatholic.com and I'll show you how. And while you're there, shoot me a question or a comment. That's brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I will see you right back here next week. Cheers.